I'd like to welcome you all to the Lord's house this morning. It's a blessing to be here. My name is Benjamin Thomas. I'm sure all of you here know, but for anyone who may be watching and doesn't, my name is Benjamin Thomas, and I'm a student from Geneva Reformed Seminary in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and I am under the care of the Free Presbyterian Church um, training for the ministry. Um, we would like to also welcome all those viewing online. We hope this, this service will be a blessing to you. Just a couple announcements. This evening there won't be a service here, um, but we recommend instead that you tune into Faith Free Presbyterian Church at 6 p.m. Um, that's the church in Greenville, and you can do that on Sermon Audio. And then on Wednesday, they will also be having a prayer meeting. Um, the actual, the time of prayer will not be showed, but there will be a, um, there'll be a short service beforehand starting at 7 p.m. And you could also find that on Sermon Audio, and that's Faith Free Presbyterian Church. But we will begin our worship service this morning by singing, Be Thou My Vision. The hymn 462, Be Thou My Vision. And we are without a pianist this morning, so we're going to have to try to use Bluetooth and try to work it out. When you find the place, please stand. There is no intro, so as soon as I hit it, it'll start going. Um, we will do all four stanzas. And then at the end of the, the last stanza, the music will keep going with an outro, but we'll just stop singing and... Um, Hold it there. So, 462, Be Thou My Vision. Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art, Thou my best thought by day by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my life. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true treasure thou art. 
King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Maybe see you. Went well enough. It's most of the hymns, um, if we continue to do this on here, they're going to be played a little bit slower, so kind of have to. I like it slow, but we have to just have to. Mm -hmm. I'll try to get it louder. Or I'll, I'll turn it up before we begin the next one. But let's take a moment now to, to pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come into Thy house this morning, help us to realize that we are coming into Thy presence. Help us now, Lord, as we come into this, this short time of prayer to realize that it is Thee that we pray unto this morning, the God of heaven and earth, Thou who hast created all things. Help us to realize that You do hear us this morning. Lord, that You desire to hear us, that You enjoy to hear the prayers of Thy people. Lord, help us to realize that. Help us to sing Thy praises. Lord, as we have already sung unto Thee, Lord, give our hearts great joy as we come to sing once again at the end of this prayer. But Lord, thereafter we ask that You would bless the preaching of Thy Word. Lord, we ask that You would help Thy servant. Lord, that You would aid me to proclaim Thy Word truthfully and with power. Lord, not with dullness of mind or dullness of heart, but with a fire that is lit by Thy Spirit. Lord, You alone can do this. We ask that You would. We ask that You would, Lord, prepare the hearts and the minds of those who are hearing this message this morning. That they would be blessed as they hear it. That they would discern what is the truth, Lord. And if there be any error or anything that, Lord, would be hurtful to them as Thy people, we ask that that would be cast aside for that which is good. Lord, protect Thy Word this morning. Lord, help Thy people in the hearing of it to go throughout this week praising Thee, to know the God whom they serve. Lord, to not live our lives in a dull way as, as the rest of the world does. Lord, serving our own selves or serving, Lord, even the world around us. But help us to realize as we go through this week that we are serving Thee. Lord, help us to live that way, to live in the truth of who You are. Lord, as we live in dark and difficult days, Lord, as there is so much contention, even inside of Thy church, Lord, we ask that You would come and that You would bring peace, for Thou alone canst do it. Lord, there is not peace in any other way, or there isn't peace in the methods that man can use. Lord, but only in Thy gospel presented unto sinful man can we know peace in these days. Lord, we pray for our nation in particular. 
Lord, as we are coming to the time of election, Lord, it's an easy time for even Thy people to forget how great Thou art and to become so frustrated and angry with the things that are going on around us and to lose sight of Thee. Lord, but help us to constantly remember that Thou alone art in control of all the things that we see and all the things that we hear. So then, Lord, help us to go through our days with peace of mind, knowing that You have ordered our days, that You have appointed this season, Lord, and You will bring all things to pass, Lord. Whatsoever You desire, that is what shall be. May we bow to Thy will this morning. Lord, as we come to continue in Thy worship service, we ask one more time to give us hearts, Lord. Hearts filled with love for Thee and Thy salvation, Lord, that You have given to all Thy people. And if any would hear this word who know not that salvation, Lord, save them, that they too may praise Thee. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn to the hymn number 16, the hymn number 16, To God Be the Glory. Um, and as you turn there, a few things. There isn't an intro to this either, so as soon as it starts playing, and I'll, I'll turn up the volume, as soon as it starts playing, it will just start playing, so we'll start right in. And we will only be singing the first three stanzas. So we will not be singing the fourth because it's not on there. We'll sing stanzas one, two, and three. And we will also, on the last stanza, it gets kind of complicated, we will be repeating the chorus. So we'll sing the chorus twice on the last stanza. Then there'll be an outro as well, but you can go ahead and sit down after we sing the chorus the second time on the third stanza. So the hymn number 16, please stand to God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. 
Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us, great things he hath done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, things he hath done. You may be seated. I hadn't sung that hymn in a while, and when I was trying to find a hymn that was available online and um, fitting for the, for the service this morning, I saw that one, and it was good even to read it, and it's good to sing it. But if you would open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 103, Psalm 103, and We'll take time to read the entire psalm this morning, but we'll be focusing on three verses in particular. But when you found the place, we will begin at verse 1. A psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For he knoweth our frame. 
He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word, Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye minister of His that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. We will bow for one more brief moment in a word of prayer, for the word is preached. Our gracious God, we thank Thee that we can call Thee Father this morning. We come before Thee as Thy children, hungry for Thy Word, hungry for Thy truth. Lord, feed all Thy people this morning. Give us a blessing directly from Thy hand, directly from the throne of heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Those are the words that open the psalm that is before us this morning. And it is a fitting description of what you find throughout the psalm as David is praising the Lord for so many things. And he doesn't just limit himself in this psalm to just general things about the Lord. Or he doesn't sing unto God without any substance. This psalm is full of detailed praises of who the Lord is and what He has done. And the section that we're going to be looking at this morning... It covers three of those praises that David makes. The section I'm referring to, it's in verses 11 through 13, where we read it again. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. And like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. Briefly, what you find there in all three of these verses, it's the same, the same form or the same shape of, of the content of those verses. It's called a simile, where David takes two things and he compares them with one another to, to show something about one of them. So in verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so that's the first thing, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And with that comparison, David is praising the Lord. In all of these, David is talking about an attribute of God. His mercy, in verse 11, and in verse 12, his forgiveness, and verse 13, his pity. And as I was studying these out, and if you study them out for yourself, you'll find that there's a lot of similarities between these things. And it's at times hard to distinguish what exactly is being meant. But I won't be so comprehensive in talking about like what, what mercy and pity have in common. Instead, we'll be, try to show their differences and focus on that. But let me ask you a quick question, though, before we begin. 
why does this matter? Why do we look at, at passages like this and, and take time to ponder praises? Especially today where so often praises are made just rather flippantly and, I mean, I'm not really one to compare the, the, the modern Christian music scene with anything because it's, it can often be so empty and it is very empty praises. So why do we take time, why do we sing old psalms and old hymns and look at this, this praise that was made to God from over 2,000 years ago? The two reasons. Because God deserves the highest of praise. And man cannot write today praises that are worthy of the God that we adore unless he looks at what the Psalms had to say about our Lord. Now, by saying that, I'm not speaking against hymns. We just sang two of them. But even the hymns that we sing, you can look at them and you look at the Psalms, and they are so much intertwined with the same praises and the same awe of the God that we adore. Because the Psalms are the hymns that we find here. They were written by those who took time to ponder and to meditate on who God is. They did not write the words that we sing trying to meet a deadline to release an album to make a profit. They wrote them to praise the Lord because He is worthy to be praised. But the second reason that we need to be familiar with these praises because sometimes it's hard for us to praise the Lord. Our hearts, you know, they so often they just grow cold suddenly. And we, we can even hear the music of hymns, and we can try to, to sing the words, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes. It could be for many reasons. It could just be just a coldness that comes on us because we have not been close to the Lord. Or it could be because we found ourselves in a time of trial or suffering when our trials, they seem bigger than God. And when they're bigger than God, it is hard to praise Him. It's hard to sing to Him, at least with any, any fire or warmth in our hearts. We can be so easily overcome with anxiety or depression or even anger when we forget that God is bigger than our storms. And that's why we're going to look at this this morning. We're going to look at it. We're going to take our time with it so that when this happens, if coldness comes over us or if trials come and they begin to loom large, we can remember the God who we praise and we can even fight to praise Him. If we don't do this, the text or the passage in the Scripture that always comes to mind is of Peter as he walked on the sea, as he walked to meet the Lord. And at one point, the storm got bigger than the king that gave him power to walk upon the sea. You know, I, I don't like to speak evil of Peter. He got out of the boat for one thing, and I wouldn't have gotten out of the boat. <laughs> but 
He would not have sunk if he would have remembered the God that he walked on the water to. So we must remember, and we must take time to remember him this morning. So then, I give the title of this simple sermon this morning, Three Reasons to Praise God. Three Reasons to Praise God. And the first one we find in verse 11, it's His mercy, where it says, For, has, for as the heaven is high above the earth. So this is what David is using to compare with the mercy of God. He is pondering the, the height of something that he can compare with the greatness of the Lord's mercy. And the only thing that he could find, the only thing that he could look up to that even came close in comparison was the stars in the night sky above him. That's what's being referred to where it says, as the heaven is high above the earth. Heaven is he's not speaking of the, the spiritual heaven. He's speaking of, of the sky, of the universe that is above him, of the literal stars. But looking more into why he chose the stars and why he didn't look to something else or think of something else, is because as he looked at them above him, he could not measure their height. He could not find, I mean, he could see them shining in the sky above them, so you could maybe say he saw where they ended, but he could never tell how high those stars were above his head. And I'm not sure how much they would have known about the universe, you know, in the, in the ancient world. But one thing that everyone on the face of the planet would have known is that they could never reach those stars in those days. And that's what David, that's what he's suggesting here. That's why he chooses them. Because he's trying to picture something that seems an infinite distance. Something that will never have an end. And even today, there still remains nothing higher for man than the stars. They still stand, even from the days of David, they still stand burning bright, which is the same as the Lord's mercies. Then we go on in this verse. So great is His mercy to them that fear Him. Now that seemingly infinite distance, David looks at that distance and he says that. That is the best thing I could find for the mercy of God. You know, what a blessing it would be to wake up every single morning and to believe that without having to struggle with it, with just being able to remember the Lord's mercies to me are infinite. But we forget. We forget His mercies. Or we, we even struggle to see them, though we still may enjoy them. You know, but they're there, even if we can't see them, even if we feel that we we're not enjoying the Lord's mercies. It's like if the sun rises, you can't see the stars anymore. The heavens, as it were, are hidden from our view, but they're still there. They have not been dimmed. Their distance has not been lessened. And that is what the mercy of God is like to you and to me even when we don't realize it, and when we feel we are not 
experiencing them. But what do we have to do to have this mercy? Because that's in the verse. And it says that all we have to do at the end in verse 11, it says, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Now, it's not talking about like a trembling fear, like you come into the presence of someone who you're literally terrified of, and you you begin to shake, and you have trouble speaking, and you just want to be out of their presence or out of their sight, though coming before the Lord can often do that to a man. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the word fear. It's about the highest form of honor and reverence that you can give to someone. Like if you come before the presence of a king, you dress a certain way, you behave yourself a certain way. And when you do that, when you show that honor to a king, you could be said to be fearing the king. And so that is what it means when we come before the Lord and we fear him. But our fear, the greatest honor or respect that that we show to the Lord is it actually comes from the real fear. It comes from trembling before Him and realizing that we are sinners in His sight. So we come to Christ. We come to Him so that we may come before the Lord. And that is how we fear Him. But this fear, this fear that we have, it doesn't, it doesn't earn our mercy before God. We don't come before the Lord with, with a certain deal of, like if you came before a king and you really dressed up and you really behaved yourself very almost falsely humble when you can really see someone doing that, and they try to earn respect or they try to earn honor from a king or they try to earn something from him by fearing him, that is not what we do when we come before the Lord. The level of the honor that you show the Lord is not the level of the mercy that He will show to you. Now this is especially true because mercy, the word means giving relief or kindness to someone in distress regardless of what they deserve. The honor, the fear of the Lord that we show to Him That's just a description of the believer. Someone who is turned to Christ to save them from their sins. That is the man that knows what it is to fear the Lord. And that is something that all His people have before Him. But don't forget... That as we have that fear, we don't think to ourselves that I'm not honoring the Lord enough. His mercy is always as high as the heavens to all His people. Some brief examples of this. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, we see mercy is delivering from grief. Where it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I I don't have time to go into the story so much. But this woman comes to the Lord, and she's a woman of Canaan. She's not an Israelite. So you may say that she doesn't deserve 
mercy. He doesn't deserve the goodness of God, which is actually what the Lord said, not so much him. He said that, that he was come unto Israel, but she continued and she feared the Lord. She honored him. She gave him the reverence that Christ deserved. And her daughter was healed. And God's mercy was shown to a woman who didn't deserve it. It delivered her from her grief. But then this mercy also helps us to endure trials. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, this is speaking of Joseph in Egypt. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So Joseph, he was in Potiphar's house, but he was falsely accused. So he was brought even lower. Not only was he in captivity as a slave, now he's in captivity in a foreign land and he's a prisoner because of lies that were spoken about him. But the Lord's mercy met Joseph when he came into that prison. And the keeper of it, he showed Joseph favor. And that, that is a mercy that came from God that helped, that was a comfort to Joseph even as he was a prisoner until the day of his deliverance came. You know, but we, I hope and I believe that every child of God, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, well, first, you've known the mercy of the Lord forgiving you, but you've known the same mercy when you have been afflicted as well. How many times that we have been in great suffering, or that we have felt great need. And you just, you just, you didn't want to go on anymore, and you're just praying. You know, nothing was changed about what you knew about the Lord, but you needed mercy to go on, just to keep going. Some brief for this. When last September, I was speaking with my mother when she got a phone call it was from my brother informing her that, uh, that my best friend had, had died. Perhaps I'll go into details more about it later on. But he was really the only friend I had growing up. And I was unsure about his salvation. So I, I went into the backyard and just fell in the grass, just bawling like a child. I needed mercy that night. I needed mercy that evening just to get up, just to do anything. But I found mercy there. I found comfort there. And the Lord gave strength to carry on. And He still does the same. Even of our, our small trials are great trials. The Lord still does that for us today. They're still, His mercies are still as high as the stars and they still burn as bright. So remember that this morning. And remember it this week. But then we must 
I'm going to hurry on. I want to pay attention to the clock. Secondly, his forgiveness. As we find this in verse 12, where it says, As far as the east is from the west. David, he's not referring to height anymore, but he, he's pondering distance. And as he's pondering distance to praise the Lord, he's trying to think of two things that are infinitely far apart, because that's what he needs for the forgiveness of God. And what a blessing it is that he didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because you can measure that. If you are really anywhere in the world and you start heading straight north, and you keep going, and you keep going in that straight line, eventually you're going to be heading south because you've reached the north. And eventually you'll reach the south and you'll be heading north. It's a distance that can be measured. And what a terrible thing it would be to be able to measure the distance between us and our iniquities. But we can. I read, I can't remember what commentator it was, but he said, no matter how far east you walk, you'll never reach the west. No matter how far west you walk, you'll never reach the east. Amen. I lost myself. You know, we can, we can try looking for our guilt before the Lord. We can, we can try to go looking for the sins that God has forgiven us for. You can read all the books you want. You can open the Scriptures and try to find a verse or a text that says something that you're still guilty. You can walk all of the earth and you can even go as high as the stars and to the end of the universe if you can find it. But you will never be an inch closer to the guilt that you once had. It is infinitely gone. So far hath He removed our transgressions from us. And you won't find it because He has removed it. No one else removed your sins. We did not wash our sins away. And we say that so often, but so often we have to repeat it. We did not pay a penny's worth of the guilt that we owed to God. He took our sins and He put it on Christ at Calvary. And ever since that day in your life, your sins and my sins, they're gone. The guilt and all the eternal consequences of sin are gone. We might still, you know, we, there are still consequences to sin on earth. If you go out and you do wrong, you may find yourself in prison. If you live in sin, you will find it very hard to praise the Lord and very hard to find His face. But the guilt and the condemnation, the judgment that once belonged to us, and when you think about that, just to think that for one point in my life, for a span of my life, you were just completely guilty. You hated God. And in a moment of time, if you were to die, that would be it. That guilt that once laid infinitely heavy on you, for all of your sins, it's gone. As far as the east is from the west. You know, David, David could say that. I don't know exactly when this, this psalm was written, 
But if you remember even the iniquities of David, how he, he had Uriah murdered, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and even though those sins, they had consequences on earth, Hear what the Lord had to say. Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. You know, he's referring to just physically dying because David did deserve to die, but it's also true of David spiritually. David, he put away your sin. You're not going to die. As far as the east is from the west. I have more examples, but... Time is gone. But you've, you've got to fight to remember that. If you forget it and you start feeling your guilt pressing down hard on you so much, and it gets hard to praise the Lord when you feel guilty. It's very hard. You have to fight to remember that you have lies inside your head. You may be lying to yourself about your guilt. You may, the devil himself may be lying to you about what you deserve. Because the truth is, if you rest in Christ today, your sins are gone. You can never get closer to them. No matter what you do, you will never, ever even begin to close the distance that God has put between you and your sins. Fight to believe it. And keep fighting until you do. And the Lord will help you too. So then thirdly, we must come the Lord's pity. In verse 13, it begins, Like as a father pitieth his children. You know, David, he's no longer concerned with, with infinite heights or with endless distances. He's, he's talking about an emotion here. And he can, think, he can think of no greater pity that someone can have than a father has for his son. It's also it's appropriate for David to say this because the Lord often even speaks to Himself, to us, as a father, and he needs to speak to us and tell us that he's our father because we so often forget it. And that's, I won't apologize for it, but that's why you hear me say when I pray, I always, I try to say father. It can get repetitious and you can forget what that means. But there was a time when you couldn't say father, and I can say it now, and I won't forget to say it, Lord willing. But something you, you can't really see about the word pity or pitieth that is used here, it, it's most often used in the Scriptures when I was looking at it. So often the Lord is saying that this is what He will show to Israel when they return from their backsliding. When the Lord put His covenant before Israel, and He said, these are the blessings and these are the cursings. The, it's often found the word is, is it's either mercy or compassion. But it's the same word, pitieth. He's saying, that is what I will show to you when you turn back to me. And here it is rightfully translated, pitieth. So then because of that, it, often, it resembles the pity that a father has for a prodigal son. This is not pity... I mean, you, you could take it as, as pity for a father, who, a father who's pitying a good son... But in the scriptures, it's most often used to refer to a father, excuse me, who is pitying a bad son, one who is 
done wrong against him. The example in scriptures of the, the father who ran out to meet the prodigal son, who pretty much wished that his father was dead so that he could have his, his earthly possessions and his inheritance. He cared nothing for the love of his father, so much so that he could just take the money and he could go away from his father and never turn back. But when all of it was wasted and gone and he returned to his father and his father ran to him and embraced him and kissed him, that is pity. And that's the pity that God has for us this morning. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And if this was the pity of anyone else, you know, so often, I really don't know why, but people hate to be pitied. Like someone with a disability who maybe lost their leg or something. And when people look at them, they're like, oh, I, I despise to be pitied. I want to be just held up as, as an equal with everyone else. Don't despise the Lord's pity. We need the Lord's pity. Because we are we're far worse off than anyone with, with just a, a physical ailment or a disability. I need to bring this to a close, so I will try to just hurry through. Verse 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. We don't deserve pity. You and I, we do nothing to earn it. The words at the end of verse 13, this is the pity that the Lord shows to those who have feared him. Same thing as verse 11. It's not something that we earn. It's something that the Lord shows to us even when we do wrong, even when we fail Him, when we, when we try to resist the temptations that come against us and we, we struggle to, to carry the weights and to bear the burdens. And we struggle so hard to do right, to hold our tongues and to watch our behavior. But we fail. It's right, always right when we fail, we have such a tendency to think the Lord doesn't pity us. The Lord is just so angry and frustrated like an earthly father who just wants, he's just so irritated at his son because he just can't get it right. It's not true. It's pity that the Lord feels for us when we fail. It's even the description that we find of Christ in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. The heart of Christ is touched when He sees us struggling, trying, and even failing. You know, it's a pity that we have this morning. You know, I needed it before I got into this pulpit to try to preach to you. People tend to look so highly on preachers. Maybe they don't look so highly on seminary students, but Lord willing, eventually I'll be a pastor. And then people tend to think that you're just on some other level. No, I needed pity this week. I needed it to get up here being what I believe to be a lesser man preaching to better men. 
I needed pity to preach. And the Lord is willing to show it. He knoweth our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Even when we don't. So, if you're struggling this week, struggling to praise the Lord, struggling to have a heart of service for Him, open up to Psalm 103. Read it. If you can remember what I've said, then particularly look at verses 11 through 13. But read the whole psalm. It's beautiful. And let's bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord. Thank You for the mercies that You've shown to Thy people this morning. Thank You, Lord, for taking our transgressions far from us. Thank You, Lord, that they are even out of Thy sight, Thy infinite and boundless vision. Lord, our transgressions are gone. Thank You for the pity that You show us. Remind us this week of these truths. Lord, give us gladness to serve Thee. Lord, help us to run this race of righteousness in Thy sight. Help us to not grow weary. Lord, thank You. Thank You this morning. It's in the name of Christ, and for all the work it, He has done, we ask these things. Amen.